This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another beautiful day. It's Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan. And honey, I am back. You know, I don't know what's been in these streets, but somehow I was sick. It got me. It wasn't the COVID, though. I am still standing firm in the fact that I'm one of the last people on earth who have not received COVID. I was hoping you were going to get it. No. So I could have been. Why would you hope that on me? No, no, no. Hold on. I didn't. I didn't. Don't mean it that way. But I wanted to be the proud one to say I was the last one to survive in this room. (laughs) Not getting the Rona. No, I know, but I, I had a, a throat infection. It took away my voice. Um, but luckily, I am back. Sharjah Sell has been filling in. I listened to oh, the yes. show yesterday. Oh, yes. What a time it was to be alive on Let's Go There With You. Thank you. I'm surprised that you're speaking full voice, considering that you have to preserve it. Well, here's the thing. I probably like shouldn't you're at be. max volume. But I want to give energy. I miss, I mean, yeah, I miss being here. I, I miss everyone, and I didn't want to give Midnight Storm. I'm coming in hot. Okay. You know? Don't be too hot. Oh, my God. I got... I got like 17 throat coat tees over here. So we're going in. Um, Shar, I mean, Shira will be back uh, from vacation. She is in Barcelona, but she will be back on Monday. Um, but right now, let's talk about what's coming up on the show. All right, let's do it. So Dr. James joins us to discuss the deadly issue between anxiety meds and young people. What are the biggest regrets people have at the end of their life? And then, of course, we're talking all things uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson and how she is in the middle of her final day of questioning. And is she poised to become our next Supreme Court justice? That's in 10 minutes with the Washington Post. We have a really great show coming in. And don't forget, um, I'm very excited because I'm going to be chatting and sitting down with the one and only Lance Bass. Oh, yes. Um, because we're talking all things, what, cathedral, cathedral LGBTQ City, Day, Cathedral yeah. City yeah. Day. This upcoming up, weekend. I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah. I, I love me some Lance. I like Lance, too. Um, but let's talk about uh, what's trending this hour in the news, because we have a lot of news to get into. Indiana gov- uh, Indiana's governor on Monday vetoed a bill banning transgender families from participating in girls' school sports while uh, signing another eliminating the state's permit requirement to carry handguns in public. Now, Republican uh, Governor Eric Holcomb's decision comes after both measures face intense opposition before being approved by the GOP-dominated legislation that embraced what has basically become a pair of conservative causes across the country. The governor stayed on the sidelines as legislators uh, de- uh, debated both issues and made his decisions just before his Tuesday deadline to act. Opponents of the transgender sport bill um, argued it was a bigoted response to a problem that doesn't exist, with the ACLU of Indiana saying it planned a lawsuit against what it called, quote, hateful legislation. 
Homecomb, um, Holcomb. Is that it? Holcomb. Yeah, it's Holcomb. Yeah, Holcomb. <laughs> Signal support for the bill last month, but said in his veto letter that the legislation, quote, falls short of providing a consistent statewide policy for what he calls fairness in K through 12 sports. Well, all righty then. Yeah, that's Alrighty that is then. a lot I'm, to pack. I'm most shocked that this is Indiana. Uh, of all states, because you know Indiana, that's Mike Pence's home. Th- that's his stomping grounds. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk. Um, Madeline Albright, the first woman U.S. Uh, Secretary of State who helped steer Western foreign policy in the aftermath of the Cold War, has died. She was 84 years old. Wow. You know what? 84 still feels like young to me. Is that wild to say? No, that's not wild to say. I just feel like it, 84. There's plenty of people. I mean, Joy Behar is about to be 80, and yeah. I feel like she's gonna be around to the end of time. Yeah, 84 doesn't seem nearly as old to me. I don't know if it's with me aging, I'm 34 now. Yeah. Or if it's just, you know, people are, they got some spunk. You just mentioned Joy. Yeah. Joy, I would think, was like 60-something, honestly. Well, her <laughs> death was confirmed in an email to staff of the Albright Stonebridge Group, a global strategy firm founded by um, founded by her, actually. Albright was a central figure in uh, President Bill Clinton's administration, first serving as U.S. Ambassador to the United States, uh, United Nations, before becoming the nation's top diplomat in uh, his second term, or her second term. So, um, yeah, I mean, she championed the expansion of NATO. Uh, she pushed for the alliance to intervene in the, the Balkans to stop genocide and ethnic cleansing, sought to reduce the spread of nuclear weapons, and championed human rights and democracy across the globe. Well, rest in peace. Yeah, she did so much. It's absolutely wonderful. So let's. Um, that's enough for the top of the hour news. We're going to keep giving you everything you need to be updated on, but let's go on to the team report. So, raven Simone and her Raven's Home co-stars are protesting Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. On Tuesday, the cast walked off the set of the Disney Channel series in response to the recently passed bill, which prohibits discussion about sexual orientation and gender identity in primary school classrooms. Now, in a video shared on Instagram, Simone is seen standing outside of her with her Raven's Home cast and executive producers, and it's captioned, well, she says, rather, we are walking out today in support in of this ridiculous bill we don't like it we are walking out it's stupid we love everyone support 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 now in a statement to people disney channel says that production on our series raven's home was interrupted today when members of the cast participated in a walkout designed to stand in solidarity with the lgbtqia community our colleagues have both respect Ooh. and our support you so, know everyone who's wa- uh, who's worked like an actor or a celebrity who's worked with abc or disney yeah has is speaking out at this point and also, let me just say this. I saw Kerry Washington yesterday. She sure did. Uh, one thing that I'm going to say is Raven Simone most definitely knows how to have a theme song. I know all the words to Raven's Home and I really? barely even watch it. It's a great show. I've watched, I think, like the first episode. Oh, no. I've watched all the seasons for the most part. Oh. How many has there been? About two or three. Four or five. Whoa. Oh, I'm behind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, shout out to Raven. Yeah, you know, of course, she's queer, and of course, she's not going to stand for everything and her being on Disney. And that's the T Report for this hour. You want to stick around because next hour, we're talking talk shows and a whole bunch of other mess, Ryan. Well, all right. I can't wait for that. But coming up next in What's Trending, Katanji Brown Jackson is in the middle of her final day of questioning. And is she poised to become our next Supreme Court justice? That's coming up with Washington Post up next. She is currently not an outlier in sentencing. 70% of the federal judges face the same dilemma and wonder why Congress has failed to act and when it will act. This is our fault. Partially it is, Senator. To be honest with you, it is. 
we have to upgrade these guidelines and decide whether we're going to stick with the Supreme Court decision that they're not mandatory. So that was the Senator moment. Feinstein. So that was the moment uh, that Lindsey Graham stormed out of the room during Katanji Brown Jackson's, um, you know, confirmation hearings. As this is the third day of everything, where you know we've kicked off with the familiar themes from Republican skeptics of her Supreme Court nomination and familiar answers from the historic nominee. Um, is she poised to become our next Supreme Court justice after dealing with everything? Joining us right now is my favorite political reporter from Washington Post, Amber Phillips. Thanks for being on the show again. No, thanks for having me. No, yeah, you are one of my faves, but we can talk about that <laughs> later. Um, seriously, break down what we've seen, because it does feel like, you know, we're seeing yet again the Republican theater of, you know, them asking her ridiculous questions. So break down everything we kind of need to know from day three. Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly right. And no one expected anything different for both sides. This is a this is a serious Right. Um, what should I say? A serious job for Congress to try to consent on a president's nominee, but it's also an opportunity for theater. This is the most attention many of these senators are going to get um, before some of them, especially on the Republican side, want to run for president. And so, a lot of these people, especially on the right, uh, were talking through the lens of wanting to be clipped on Fox News or or get on or be able to share blast, you know, how they attack Judge Jackson on Twitter, social media and light up the right. So that's the lens to watch a lot of this through. And I think Graham's questioning uh, underscored that. So the main theme that I have seen today was they continued on from yesterday, which is to try to talk about her record sentencing child porn offenders. Um, Republicans have made this a predominant line of questioning. They allege that Jackson is too lenient. The facts don't bear that out. Um, and and I, I argue that Republicans' attack could actually backfire. because She's got this really lengthy record. She's made a lot of decisions that Republicans to take issue with, but they're choosing this one, and it requires them to muddy the facts to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, in the name of Matt Gates, I suggest they they quiet all of that ruckus down, okay? <laughs> um, I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, the sound bites for Fox and, you know, possible uh, pres- presidential runnings that might be coming up in the upcoming election. But how do we navigate? Like, how do we just cut to the chase, given all of the charades around these these hearings? Like, how much longer does she have to go through this? And, and how do we get to the meat of the real important questioning, line of questioning for this? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, um, sometimes it can be tough <laughs> to cut through what's political theater. And then the, a lot of these senators on both sides do try in good faith to understand what kind of justice she would be. Yeah. I think something, so the cutting right down to everything is she's going to get confirmed. Uh, that's because she only needs Democratic senators, senators to confirm her. And there's nothing she said or done that would indicate Democratic senators wouldn't confirm her. Um, Another substantive thing that came out today was that because she sits on this governing board of Harvard, she's actually going to step back if she gets on the court from judging this major affirmative action case that the court's going to take up this fall. It's like the affirmative action case to end all affirmative action, potentially. And she's not going to be on that, uh, which is historic. And the fact that she's, you know, the first black women woman to be on the Supreme Court eventually and that she Black women tend to benefit in particular from affirmative action. Um, And then it's also interesting because there are a lot of 
of justices with ties to Harvard. Uh, but she has announced that she's going to step back from that case. And so we'll actually have eight justices to decide this case, which I don't in eight, it's possible there could be a tie. Yeah. And I mean, all women, you know, actually benefit from the this affirmative action. And the fact that they're kind of really just blurring the lines here and making it a race thing. It just feels like so crazy. It's very coded. I mean, it's very coded. I don't even know if we could work. call this a dog whistle. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a referee it, whistle. I can hear it. Exactly <laughs> what it is. But, I, you know, as far as and thank you for breaking down what happens after this, because I did not know that it only takes Democrats for, you know, to, to basically sign off on this process with moving forward. How quickly do, do we see that happening after all of this? Since this is her final day, do we find out tomorrow, the next day, or is it going to take some time leading up to her actual confirmation? Yep, that's a good question. So what will happen is she'll take questions until about 7 or 8 p.m. tonight. So she's almost done with a marathon three days. <sighs> tomorrow will be closing statements by senators and by her and um, allies of her. Uh, So the hard part is almost over for her. And then the committee itself will vote on whether to approve her nomination. They will, because there's more Democrats than Republicans on it. Uh, And then it will go to the Senate floor sometime in the next week or two. So by Easter, I think there will be a vote on her. And it used to take 60 Senate votes, usually, out of 100 to approve a Supreme Court nominee. But both sides have knock that down. Republicans are the ones who actually ended the 60 vote threshold for Supreme Court nominees. But Democrats played a huge role in 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 like taking that down procedurally as well. And so it just takes 51 votes. And so she actually could be, I believe, the first Supreme Court nominee to get approved in the Senate with 50 Democrats and then a tiebreaker with the Vice President Kamala Harris. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Amber Phillips, for joining us. We really, really appreciate you breaking everything down. Thanks, as always. All right. Once again, that was Amber Phillips, political reporter at The Washington Post. Now, coming up next, with all of the anti-trans bills popping up all over the country, one state is trying to make their home a safe haven for those targeted by conservatives. We have Equality California joining us up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 
transgender youth and their families under a new proposal. Well, joining us to break this down and tell us more is Samuel Garrett Pate, the Managing Director of External Affairs from Equality California. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Hi. Oh, my God. It's been a minute. Welcome back on the show. I know. I know. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about this new proposal and how exactly it would work. Sure. Well, so for background, um, you know, I think most people in the community have have seen or heard by now, but um, the state of Texas, specifically the governor and attorney general, um, hatched this scheme, essentially, to instruct all state agencies to investigate parents of trans kids for supporting and loving their kids um, and making sure that they have the gender affirming care that they need. Um, They labeled that child abuse, which is just offensive and wrong um, and and not in line with any medical professionals in this country. Um, And basically, they've said to parents of trans kids who love and support their children in Texas that they know better how to raise their kids than those parents do. Um, And so what we're seeing, uh, whether it's Texas or Idaho, which just uh, started advancing a sort of copycat bill that would um, criminalize providing trans kids with gender affirming care, again, that the American Medical Association says is medically necessary for kids. Um, You know, these families are looking for somewhere to go. So when and make sure that their kid is safe and supported. And so California ought to, as we've been a leader on uh, LGBTQ inclusion, on su- loving and supporting and empowering the trans community, um, we ought to be a safe place for them to come to and, and raise their kids uh, with love and support. So when we're thinking about what these families and these kids actually need, is this in what ways is this helpful? Is, is, is it an implication that people would have to uproot and relocate to California? How, how exactly does this work or is this going to work? Well, they shouldn't have to. Right. They shouldn't have to. They should be able to stay right where they are um, and raise their kids with love and support and the, the health care that they need. Um, and so in the longer term, you know, we are working actively with our partners at Equality Texas, um, at, at Trans Empowerment Network of Texas. Uh, at, at Georgia Equality, uh, Equality Florida, um, to make sure that the political change that needs to happen there, so people like Greg Abbott aren't in the position to harass and persecute trans kids and their families right. anymore. Um, but in the short term, right, we've got families who want to support their kids um, but are afraid to do it in the states they're living in. And so we know that there are already um, parents and families considering moving to other more supportive states. Uh, and so our, jo- our job is making it a safe place of refuge. And that starts with making sure that Texas or other states can't reach into California and follow those families here and essentially hunt them within our borders. Yeah, I'm so happy you touched on that. Samuel Garriott Pate is here from Equality California. That was my, you know, next question because I was wondering would California officials have to comply with out-of-state subpoenas, you know, seeking medical or related information about people who actually end up moving for gender-affirming care? Well, under the Constitution, the sort of base-level rule is that states need to honor other states' laws. It's the full faith and credit clause, right? They need to give full faith and credit to the laws of other states, even within their own borders. That doesn't mean that they have to enforce them themselves, 
Um, but it means that they need to work with those other states uh, and not allow someone to essentially just run out of the state borders um, after they've committed a crime. Right. But here we know that we're not talking about a crime. We're talking about loving and supporting kids. Yeah. And we're talking about an unjust, whether it's the rule in Texas or should it unfortunately become a law in Idaho, um, whether it's a rule or a law or a directive, we're talking about something that is unjust and we believe to be unconstitutional. And so what California is saying through this bill uh, introduced by our, our dear friend, Senator Scott Weiner in San Francisco, is that we do give full faith and credit to other states' laws, but not when they are unjust and go against the public policy of the state of California, the values of the state of California, um, you know, that, that constitutional principles are important, but they are not limitless, and they do not allow other states to persecute yeah. the most vulnerable members of our community within our borders. Yeah, I, I do want to talk, you know, end this on a high note, especially what are some resources for people who want to get involved, who are, you know, they say they're allies and want to show up for these people who are in need in, need in ways that, I mean, everyone, it's just really sad to see kind of all of this play out. How can we get involved? How can we help Equality California in, in, in helping them do everything that you all are doing? Well, we know that, you know, like a lot of bills, this one's going to be a tough one to get passed, but it's an important one. And so, you know, I'd encourage everyone to go to EQCA.org, sign up to be a member of Equality California, uh, where you'll get updates on this bill as it moves forward and how you can reach out to your legislators and support it. Um, you know, certainly we would welcome any contributions from anyone who's in a position to make them. Um, that helps to fuel our work. Unfortunately, uh, advocating for the community isn't free. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got to make sure that we're um, supporting our, our employees who are out there on the front lines doing this work every day. Um, but, you know, also, if, if folks are in other states, right, um, this doesn't need to California doesn't need to be the only state. We are certainly proud of the work that California does uh, to lead on LGBTQ issues. But we don't want to be the only state providing a safe space and refuge mm -hmm. for these families. We want as many states as possible in this country to yeah. band together and say, this isn't a fight between California and Texas or California and Florida. This is a fight between Texas and Florida's governors and the rest of the country and our American values, because our American values say that we are better when we are united and yeah. we don't need people dividing our communities and demonizing our kids. You're so right. Samuel Garrett Pate, thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate you. I always love being here. Thank you, Ryan. All right. That was Samuel Garrett Pate, Managing Director of External Affairs at Equality California. Now we have some breaking news. Are you ready? I don't know. Should I be ready? I mean, I'm guess, scared. Guess what? Marjorie Taylor Greene says she doesn't hate trans people. She actually knows uh, a few. Oh, child. I didn't, I didn't know you were doing a comedy skit. Let's talk about it up next. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about an American idiot. And uh, it's one that, honestly, I'm so tired of having to discuss. Marjorie Taylor Greene. And um, you, you would think... That from the way she takes so many stances, I mean, she declared on, on Alex Jones Infowars program um, that transgender women deserve to be, quote, beaten into the ground. All she oh had to do gosh. was that, you know, she all she had to do was like set the record straight. Right. I forgot that Alex Jones was even still around, if yeah. I'm being honest. I forgot the show was still around and him as a person. I got him confused with what's, what's yeah. the other one? Rush Limbaugh. Oh, that, I thought Alex was gone. Rush is dead. Rush been. You don't remember this? No, of course I he don't. He was pay number one trending on Twitter. 
Oh, maybe because And I, all of the conservatives it was, were it was probably in one ear and out the other because it's Rush. Yeah. Like, whatever. Anyway, Green Green is now trying to clarify her statements around and her trolling around trans people because she's like, first of all, I don't even ha- hate transgenders. This is quote. She said, not at all. I know some and it's fine. I don't care. It's not a judgment on them. Do we have a clip? Oh, let's hear her actually speak. I don't hate transgenders, not at all. I'm actually, you know, I know some and it's it's fine. I don't care. It's not a judgment on them. I'm taking a stand for women and I'm taking a stand for uh, what's right and in, involving gender. And I'm taking a stand for children. Now, can I uh, say real quick? This has the same strong energy as when white people say blacks. Yeah, the blacks. The blacks. Because uh, transgender what? The like, transgenders? I, and you know what? what? Speaking, is that? speaking of being trans, I feel like I can say this because I am trans and oh, some of y'all ahead. ain't gonna like go it. Go ahead. You know, well, let's get it spicy. All I'm gonna say is if I didn't know any better and I looked at Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right. Now All you right. finish the rest. All right. Woo! <laughs> 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 I don't know. Maybe that deserves a yes, Queen. Because yes, Queen. That's it, Ryan. You already know. No, <sighs> he, I mean it's just so wild to me. Um, because I guess let's go back to this moment in her interview because she was rambling in this interview with Alex. And she ranged all over the the, the standard far-right anti-trans tropes, from prison guards to camp counselors to transgender women, whom she consistently referred to as biological men. That And she kept saying they Get deserve to here. be attacked. She gave so several this is someone, attempts to justify her position. This is someone in the United States government that's giving the green light to violence? Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, but that's the thing. I don't think, you know, at this point, there are so many extremists. That is true. In our government, where they were elected, it's just, it's absolutely, I mean, ridiculous. It does remind me of a, 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 a phrase, if you want to throw this in there, when it's attached to racism, when they're like, I'm not racist, I have a friend. We need to dead that. Yeah. I'm I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm not so and so. My my cousin's best friend, yeah. or I know someone, and we always know what the black friend looks like. Like at least I already I always yeah. know when a ra- racist is like. I my best fr- my college roommate was black. Mm-hmm. I already know what the hairline looks like. <laughs> I know what the what the wig looks like. I know what the haircut looks like. I know what the wardrobe looks but like. But it's so true. It's so true. But I, we really need to dead that. And I'm so... I, I This is actually terrifying to me that she is is calling for violence against anyone, uh, much less trans women in particular, who yeah. happen to be minding their business. Honestly, I don't know if She's going to have to answer for this one day. Is she? I, I don't know. But Marjorie okay. Taylor Greene is always going to continue to put her foot in her mouth and we're over it. <laughs> All right, we are back for another hour. And let me just say this, as as the show continues, you're going to be getting Barry Manilow as more hours come in because my voice is changing and I'm starting to sound like my gender identity for once, right? No one can say that I'm a woman well, anymore. Well, in that case, you mean Barry White. Oh, who's Barry Manilow? Barry Manilow was, so I'll, I'll play some Barry Manilow too? on the way out. Uh, Mandy, is he, is he, he's still with us? Yes, he is. Barry Manilow, so Barry White is the one that's... that's Barry Manilow don't got a D voice? No. No. Well, I'm young, so I thank you to the old people in the room. Uh- wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you so much, because I always get Barry White and Barry Manilow mixed up. I don't I don't see how. Those are two different... Those maybe are apples just, and oranges, Maybe it's baby. just the berries. That's apples Is and oranges. Is one black and one's white? Yeah. Yes. Who's the white and one? one sings sex Barry songs. Barry White White. 
No, no. Barry White is the one with the deep voice <gasps> who's the black tw- guy. Plot twist. By Ryan. I'm just saying, plot twist. Man of Love. Doesn't he say it's so unusual? Oh. No, that would be Tom Jones. Wow. Oh. We'll see. This is probably one of Barry Manilow's biggest hits. It's called Mandy. And Barry Manilow Hi, has Mandy. the, uh, what's the Lisa woman with the lips? Renna? Lisa Renna haircut. That's what Barry, Barry, Barry Manilow has. All right, well, I'm going to tell you why Mandy's play. I'm going to tell you what's coming up on this hour. Christian schools are yet again proving why they're the worst. And uh, what are some of the biggest regrets people have at the end of their life? And all that and more coming up this hour. So stick around for that. But right now, let's talk about what's trending this hour. I got a couple headlines for you before we throw it over to the T-Report. So under pressure from LGBTQ members and uh, gubernatorial candidates, the floor... All right, now, Mandy. There we go. (laughs) Under pressure from LGBTQ members and gubernatorial candidates, the Florida Democratic Party said Tuesday it was moving a major fundraising event from Disney World and choosing a new date for the gathering. Florida Democratic Party Chair Manny Diaz acknowledged it was bad timing to announce the Florida Blue Gala this week as Disney workers considered a walkout in solidarity with the LGBTQ community well, they over do the state walkout. legislation to prohibit schools from teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity. My thing is, this is what's the issue with a lot of Democrats. How did you not think, like, connect the dots? How did that, that math not math for you? And they actually did do the walkout yesterday, Tuesday. It wasn't, they're not considering it, they actually, they actually did, did it. it. Yeah. But yeah. well, my thing is the fact that all of this stuff is happening. Disney, this Disney scandal has been going on for at least a month. At this it has. Point. You're right. So the fact that it hasn't right. connected. Um, gay rights activists and Disney workers said they felt the influential company did too little to oppose the bill as it worked its way through the legislation. The gala um, has been scheduled to take place during Pride Month on June 18th, um, a day before Juneteenth, which commemorates the freeing of slaves and shortly ahead of Father's Day. And so, yeah, I guess we'll kind of see what happens here. He literally said our timing was not ideal, um, which whatever. Senator uh, Mike Braun said Tuesday that he would be open to the Supreme Court overturning its 1967 ruling that legalized interracial marriage nationwide to allow states to independently decide the issue. Now, Braun, who made the comments during a conference call in which he discussed the nomination of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court, also said he welcomed the rescinding of several key decisions made by the court in the past 70 years to pass the power uh, to the states. Here's the moment. When it comes to issues, you can't have it both ways. Uh, When you uh, want that diversity to shine within our federal system, uh, there are gonna be uh, rules and uh, proceedings. They're gonna be out of sync with maybe what other states would do. So we're talking about that more tomorrow with the Washington Post. So stick around for that. But let's go to the T-Report. Oh, my goodness. This T-Report that I have for you this hour has fans divided. Bravo fans, Housewives fans. Because guess what? When one real Housewives of New York isn't enough, add another. Bravo announced Wednesday that it is rebooting the Real Housewives of New York City and likely recasting the series from scratch in addition to launching a second show that will include a Big Big Apple-based alums. You know, the Vicky Gundelson and all of them. Or what's that jersey? Well, I love um, I love that they're doing this. I think this is a really uh, mm. smart... Well, I think it's a smart way of uh, refreshing up the cast and then also keeping us with the spinoff mess of like the former cast members. Well, and then, well, like, you know, 
Let me let me nice. really quickly finish this. Andy Cohen told Variety that the dual show approach takes into account everything that our passionate audience has yeah. really been telling us over the past few years. But, you know, they canceled the reunion of season 13. It was a disaster. I don't know how I feel about this, but they're rebooting both of them. I think it should just be one flagship show. Nah, I, I like it. And inherently, the reboot... Or not the reboot, but the the, the little the sideshow. Yeah, it's probably point. gonna be a Peacock original. So I'm like, I'm a fan of that. Keep the mess but that we're all gonna do. Shouldn't the cast reflect the city? Yeah, that's what the original. That that's what the new reboot of actual Real Housewives in New York is gonna be. So it's gonna have the multicultural people. Yes, and then the oh, okay. other one is like. Got gotcha. I thought it was housewives. the other way around. No, 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 no. Okay, no. well then I guess I'm Team Ryan on this. <laughs> I right. do agree. Well, that's, that's your team, team report that's for the hour. Literally your team report. We have more coming up. Let's talk Christian schools and how they are traumatizing me and children. Coming up next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, are the Christians okay? Because, um, of course, I'm not talking about those named Christian, which I know those people have to be tired. Oh, my gosh. This is so off kilter, but... <laughs> Please! Now... Let me tell you something. Shout out to Christian. He knows who he is. Oh, this shout is, out to This Christian. is back in the day. This is when the plane first landed in L.A. Yeah, I don't know that Ho- girl. Hopefully he's listening. Shout over there cheesing. <laughs> well, um, let's talk about the Christians because there have been two separate Christian schools who are once again proving why they are the worst. Let's start with the first story, okay? All right. A California teacher has been caught on video leading a group of preschool students in a chant against President Biden. The incident... The incident took place in February at Turning Point Christian School. This video, and we're going to play a clip, shows the teacher asking the four and five-year-olds, who's our president? And here's the moment. Who's our president? Biden! What do we want to do with him? What? Well, depending on who you ask, they would also say they want him out as well. I mean, what's so crazy to me? What's so crazy to me about this particular story is that people on the right continuously are yelling about the indoctrination of our children and well, yeah. and a parents' right. And and this is happening at a and this is happening at a Christian school. And what the heck does this have to do with? Christianity or the religions well, or the school. Why I, are we talking politics? I think we have to really acknowledge that there's there's always been this conversation about the clear line between church and state. Here in this country, they're always they, they've always oh, been yeah, blurred. They, they just use there's, that as a talking yeah, point. Yeah, there's never been a line. <laughs> I don't even know if that line exists. I think for this to be happening, it honestly it's 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 chilling because oftentimes these are the schools that are protected when you try to go yep. file lawsuits with the ACLU they're privatized. and they're privatized and, the, and there's a religious based yep. freedom that they all automatically yep. have. And so for me, it's scary that these folks can um you know teach these children the things that they deem to be okay, mm-hmm. but when when it comes to just accepting children and the nature of how they grow and and how they're trying to find themselves, all hell it's, breaks loose. It is very and we dangerous. See the, the problem, you know, we see the results of the "Don't Say Gay" bill. It's very, very dangerous for something like this to be going on. Extremely dangerous, actually. Well, it gets worse because a, another school, a Christian K through twelve school, uh, is under fire for making teachers sign contracts committing to be straight. 
What? Yes, this is happening in Australia, but uh, I know the Republicans here are just like, oh, that's such a great idea. Um, <laughs> you know they're salivating. They're, they're like, it's like a stake for them. <laughs> the employment contracts reportedly state teachers may only express sexuality, quote, through heterosexual monogamous relationships expressed intimately through marriage and says violating these terms could result in termination. You know what's so wild to me is it was just a few months ago it was revealed that this exact same school asked parents to sign a statement of faith condemning homosexuality and comparing it to bestiality and pedophilia. On top of that, the state listen, the statement of faith also included a refusal to acknowledge students' gender identities other than the sex that they were assigned at birth. This is asinine and ridiculous. And I mean, this honestly, this gives me, whoever came up with this, if it was the principal are the leader of the school. They are not only a terrorist, but they're also probably dealing with their own sexuality How issues. How you doing? Because if you want to be in everybody else's business and, and try to figure out who they're sleeping with and what they need to proclaim, you're worried about the wrong things instead of Mind the education the of these children. business that pays you. Like, it's ridiculous that we find ourselves having to fight business that is not your business. Yeah, and honestly, you know, all jokes aside, I'm really concerned about the kids and their mental health because the fact of the matter is LGBT kids exist, LGBT kids are in these schools, in these hallways, and it's going to be a lot of unpacking and therapy that has to be done. I do think about this, and producer Justin, because you have the child in the room, and then us as if we if we want to have kids. Who knows? I mean, at this point, I'm I'm always flip flopping. I'm good. I'm always flip flopping. Carbon footprint. But producer Justin, when it comes to your because your child is still small, when it comes to deciding where they go to school, are you worried about possibly stuff like this happening? Hundred percent. Like I don't want my kid being you know quote unquote indoctrinated, but it's it's ridiculous to think that you know. When you have a child, you want the the principles and the things that you guys hold dear as as parents to be put onto your children. Yeah. And one of the things that I hold dear is, you know, seeing people as they are, not trying to put them into a box because, yeah. oh my God, they're gay or they're black or they're this or they're mm-hmm. that. I want my son Bennett to realize that people are people are people. Like, I love you guys for who you are, not because of what you are. And yeah. f- realizing that we keep on putting labels onto people is one of the most dangerous things that we can do. And yeah. if he gets that put onto him through his teachers and his instructors there essentially you have to undo that damage and I can't help but think this is I mean all of this happening in the world not just in Australia but even this country specifically in this country uh, homeschooling rates are increasing yeah we're seeing more kids being homeschooled which could also be dangerous I mean in ways that look at the Westboro Baptist Church I mean for sure but it also is one of those things where it's like I mean, if I want to keep my child who may be trans or is queer safe, do I need to like start putting them in private classes where they don't have to deal with all yeah, of the, I, the nature I, honestly, of this school, this conversation, of the system? This conversation is bringing up for me, like, what if one of those preschoolers, and I'm sure a handful of those preschoolers' parents are liberal mm. and do like Biden. Like, what happens like if this video was never made public yeah. and Biden shows up, you know, on the TV for a press conference and now your little preschooler, your little four-year-old is saying, we want him out! <laughs> or Channing, let's go Brandon. <laughs> right, yeah. like, like, exactly. Exactly. How do you so, navigate that? <laughs> it's it's such a weird time in, in education and, and schooling. And to be honest, all of this has always been here. But yeah. let us know your thoughts. Keep the conversation going at LGT Show on social media. We love to hear from you. But up next, what are the biggest regrets people have at the end of their life? I don't know. Maybe making their kids say, let's go, Brandon. That's one of them, probably. Now... 
I now this is gonna be a serious conversation. Come on, end of the road. And um, I'm gonna start crying. I can't. I'm, I don't I think know. I'm gonna be this able to get a, through it. This is a breakup song. Now, <laughs> um, a hospice nurse has revealed what she has learned from caring for people who are dying. Her name is Julie. Um, she revealed that in her experience, many people have the same regrets about life when their time on the earth is coming to an end. Here's what she had to say. As a hospice nurse and death and dying educator, people ask me this question all the time, and here's what I've found in general. Most people at the end of of their life have regrets about not appreciating their health, not appreciating being alive, the little things, working their life away, and not spending more time with family. This is very general, but that is what most people say to me who are on hospice and dying. First of all, I was triggered by so many of those things because, I mean, the idea of just working too much and then not being able to see family enough. Like, those are all things that I and, think about now. And taking your health for granted. That's yes. something that, you know, we're constantly reminded that health is wealth. But, girl, Kim told us just a few weeks ago, we got to get, get your ass up and we gotta, work. We got to go to work. Poor people, lesson up. <laughs> that was no. the whip. That was the sound of the whip cracking, by Seriously, the way. Seriously, this, I mean, I am not shocked that this is what people think. I think I've seen enough Grey's Anatomy episodes okay. to know the <laughs> emotion when it comes to people's deaths yeah um but what comes up for you when you think about this, Ooh, and this I think is it's, so morbid well, but here's the thing i think a lot of people think you can't talk about death but mm-hmm. we really should be normalizing conversations around it because it is a part of life for me i think a lot of it does go hand in hand with um work just, you know, if all of this went away tomorrow, who would Char be? Yeah. You know, because so much of my identity is wrapped up in, in what I Come do. Come on, Capricorn. Uh, but also, like, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have loved more, even though I do love. Mm. But, you know, certain things are out of our control. Like romantically? Yeah, like, I, like if I found out tomorrow, God forbid, that it's like, oh, sweetie, you're in stage four. You got a month left. Yeah. I'd, be like, I'd feel so robbed of some experiences, yeah, you, you know? know? You know, can I share something? When I was a little kid, and it's so, in, it's so insane when... There's so much anxiety that I have that I feel like originated with my relationship with religion. And one thing that they teach if you if you are Christian and grow up in a Pentecostal house is like the end of the day, like end of days. Mm-hmm. And like when Jesus comes back and raptures everyone. And I used to always like think every single night about, oh my God, I'm only 12. What if God comes back and I haven't lived any of my life? Like that was something and, that was and like- And don't get left behind like Candace Cameron oh my, and her brother, literally, Kurt Cameron. Don't, I've read those books. I watched those yeah. movies like I used to think about the like moments and I you used to that like trauma. Well, I used to pray to God being like God please don't come until don't I'm let tonight 20. be the night I said please Lord. don't come until I'm 25 God <laughs> like that used to really be like something that I've attached myself to because I mean, I mean now as an adult and like the things I've been able to accomplish like I still feel like there's still so much to be done and yeah I I don't I know sometimes with everything, when we're just pushing, pushing, pushing and going, 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 you don't think about those things. Like I'm no. not thinking about the end of like no. my life and how it could literally be over in a blink of an eye. But And for... what's so morbid is we all have an invisible clock over our head. Oh, please. Why would we you just... say that? We do. What? Like, oh, my we God. Do. We have an invisible countdown. Uh, on top no, of our head. No, you have an invisible countdown. No, you do as well. Because there will come a day where it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Please, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know how we start this conversation? I'm like, we should normalize death. But then maybe you should normalize talking with death with the right people. What? Maybe Char's not the right person. <laughs> I can talk with it. But I, I do think, um, do you think... Do you think now that, I mean, 
especially we're in, I mean, we've had therapy and, yeah. and we're still in therapy and all these things. Has that helped you think about life differently and like help you kind of center or, or stay present in the moment so oh, you don't yeah. have to regret much? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, not even necessarily that. It's just, I know for therapy in 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 the parameters of this conversation, focusing on the present moment has saved me a lifetime worth of stress because yeah. I realized that I'm someone, and I included this in my essay, Yeah, you know, when you live in the past, that, that brings on a lot of depression and regret inadvertently. And then when you live in the future, that brings on a lot of stress. You got to yeah. take the moment for what it is while still being self-aware and still making smart decisions to move forward. Yeah. I don't. I live for right now. Don't ask me about July second. No, seriously. Because I don't even know what I'm gonna and be doing. For me, I like to say I don't really like to have regrets. But like, if I ever did have one, it would it would literally be not remembering like really pivotal and important moments. Of you better my life. you you want to train like, with me? And I mean, seriously, I feel like <laughs> I'm I, sure this is a trauma I, response, but, though. But I'm also so like <laughs> I mean, not inspired, but I'm like I am in awe of like your memory sometimes because like often like there's so many things where it'll randomly pop up where like things I remember about my childhood that I just forgot about, like good yeah. things. And like for me, like that would be if I was to like reach the end of the roads of my life and then be like like. Well, what did you like? What were you able to point pinpoint that were like good moments yeah. and like memorable moments that you shared Slow with down. others? And like so for me, that's that's kind of like my um, that's the that that's what fuels me to yeah. like stay present because well, luckily, I really want to remember. Luckily, our social media will oftentimes remind us of things. And I'm someone yeah. who journals, but I'm also a girl that like you know we went to the beach on Labor Day last September. Oh, we need another. And beach I day. remember being there and taking in that moment. That's yeah. something that I took in the blueness of the sky yeah. the seagulls the crashing of the waves the conversation our chips were dipping our drinks were sipping yeah. it was a good day the music was playing and then you had to scurry off for VMA stuff I did. and was... to get Coco yeah so I think about that yeah it, it's just certain hallmarks that I sit when you really sit in the moment and you inhale and exhale and yeah. you're enjoying the company that you're with it, it can really add additional perspective well let us know your perspective at LGT show on social media and of course up next how do you solve the fact that you may be a boring person honey I can't relate but we'll talk Neither about it <laughs> now I wonder how do you know if you're truly like a boring person and Boring is such a subjective word, but apparently, according to the New York Post and I guess experts in this article, there's actually a way to talk, like to find out if you are one of the most boring people in the world. Do you consider yourself to be a boring person? No, but I know that I can be boring. I know aspects of me are boring or probably considered boring. You know, I, I have to agree. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. I feel like... Um, it, well, no, I, I sometimes, well, I don't think I'm a boring person, but I do feel like I can be in the sense of like really what I like to do and and, mm -hmm. and just, you know, relaxing, like like watching to, TV. I like to read. People would consider that boring. I'm not really experimental in relationships or in the bedrooms. People would consider that wow. boring. We could have that conversation. Like it, it's, it's, it's different columns. It's different verticals that I'm considered boring in. Well, here are some of the, the top five most boring jobs. Let's start there. All right. Data analysis, accounting. Yeah. 
tax insurance, yeah. cleaning, and banking. Now, cleaning can be exciting. I love a good clean. If you're coming across the T. I mean, I'm honestly. Sure, I'm sure cleaning ladies and, and men and cleaning siblings, yeah. cleaning non-binary yes. people, have some stories, especially if they have that as a profession. Like, imagine Kim Kardashian's cleaning person. I don't know. My, the last cleaning person that I had seemed pretty exciting. Like, they, she wanted me to follow her on Instagram because she was a rapper. And, oh. uh, and she was, like, listening to music out loud. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should leave and just give you some privacy in my own home. Um, but she somebody seem, in NDA before they grabbed that sponge. You know, she seems pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, the, now, what would you consider to be, like, Do you what do you consider to be an exciting job? I mean, well, I see what's listed as journalism. Stop looking. Sorry. I'm, I, I got it pulled up. Um, I guess if you're a, a, what is it, a skydiving instructor, that's not boring, no, I'd that imagine. That sounds dumb. I, the, Why the hell would you do that? I mean, but that's an exhilarating job for some people. Stupid. Or if you're one of those people who operates the slingshot ride at the, at the, you know, at at the Six Flags and stuff. Uh-uh, everybody's like that on would drugs. bring that would bring me joy. And operating I, that ride, just seeing people freak out. One of the okay, so it's performing arts, science, journalism, health professional, and teaching. I don't know if health being a health professional in the middle of a pandemic is ex- exciting. It child, it depends on what type of health professional you are. It, it ain't got to be physical health. No, everybody was like <laughs> completely like worn out and just like yeah. disgusted. Even when it came but to journalism, I was about to say all of these have caveats. I think we need to ask Dr. James next hour who's coming up because he most definitely needs to like answer this. But for me, I feel like you can't really be a boring person unless you're just like boring. Well, I see with hobbies. <laughs> I know some of these are pet peeves of mine. Hobbies, number one, sleeping. Then what? there's religion, watching TV, observing animals and mathematics. That's why your sleeping schedule's all messed no, up because you no, don't want to no. sleep. When I tell you I have friends and I've had also had romantic interests who, okay, make fun of me because, you know, I don't get enough sleep. But there are some people who get a little too much. There's okay? no such thing. There's no yes, such there thing. is. How dare you? You know, if you if you sleep too much, that's not healthy either. Call off her mic. That's that, not healthy either. We got keep going that's not healthy either you gotta get up <laughs> all right y'all we still kicking and you know i'm still feeling pretty well you know my my voice is i don't <laughs> I, I just feel like y'all are asking either from your homes or in your car you're asking well how is ryan doing well let me tell you i'm just chucking along i really am pushing to make it work for you Shar's still here oh she yes. hasn't left yet oh yes <laughs> i'm here listen i'm here okay <laughs> you know, I, did I ask you, how did it feel to do the show yesterday all by yourself? Um, I'm not going to lie. The first hour, I was a little bit nervous. Yeah. But then, I mean, it was just... You I, didn't I hear threw it caution. Yeah, I threw caution to the wind and said, listen, this is the Char show today. And that's that's what I mean. I mean, it, it gave me flashbacks to, if you follow Char on, on, on Instagram, <laughs> we, in the 2020, when during the the, the, the dark of the, the quarantine... The lockdown. You would see Char on on Instagram Live for seven hours. I mean, no, really. and I'm not, being, I'm not being facetious. Like, phone had an exclamation it, mark on it. It was high. It was right. Under those lights, um, producer Justin, tell me about the sexy music in my ear. Oh, this is only Barry White. Okay, wow, we're bringing this back up again. I thought we moved on. Well, you said Manilow in fairness. It's, now this he's is the black what, one. This is the black. This one. is the black one. Yes, Barry White is black, y'all. If you didn't know, now you know. Coming up this show, we have Dr. James joining us all hour for our health conversations we all been needing in our lives. Like how common anxiety medicines are causing a rash of problems for young people and could our poop be the key to early detection of the next epidemic wow
<laughs> All right, well, we I don't know if we need those in our lives, but we're going to talk about it. But first, let's get into top of the hour news. All right. So the Supreme Court just uh, the Supreme Court declined to say Wednesday whether 73 um, year old Justice Clarence Thompson remains in the hospital, though he had been expected to be released by Tuesday evening. The court said Sunday that Thomas had been admitted to Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington um, after experiencing flu like symptoms and he was diagnosed with an infection. His symptoms are, quote, uh, abating. And he was expected to be released Monday or Tuesday. Well, the court said in a statement, um, but because at this point, uh, court spokeswoman Patricia McCabe says she had no update to provide. And people are wondering. The courts heard arguments Wednesday morning and Chief Justice John Roberts said, as he has for the past um, two days, that while Thomas was not present, he would participate in the case by reviewing the arguments, transcripts and briefs. Now, how are you going to do that if you're in the hospital? Yeah, that don't make no sense. Robert said Tom, uh, Thomas was unable to be present today without explanation. Thomas did not have COVID-19 and his infection was being treated with uh, intravenous antibiotics. The court has said Thomas, a conservative and appointee of former President George H.W. Bush, has been on the court since 1991. Wow. All right. Well, let's get into the T-Report. What's going on over there? Well, you know, after... 31 years on air, veteran daytime talk show host Maury Povich is calling it quits. He's retiring. Now, I do also, I also have to say, it wasn't until adulthood that I learned that his name was Maury because growing up in Chicago, we said Maury. <laughs> I mean, I probably said Maury. Well, well, we watch it, Maury, okay? I cannot believe that, that this time has come. But you know what? The last original episodes of Maury are set for broadcast in September. Now, NBC Universal confirmed that the impending exit for the 83 year old talk show host, can you believe he's 83? Yeah. He looks, to me, he looks so good. I can't I, believe I can he's believe 83. It. Both truths can exist. No, I thought Maury was like. 70. But nevertheless, uh, old episodes are likely to live on in some form. NBC has not stated how they're going to fill that time slot. It might be with old episodes of Judge Judy or with Maury, but he made history as the longest running daytime talk show. Well, I mean, you know, Oprah Oprah closed her doors in season um, 25. Yeah. So the syndication checks are still going to be pretty great, I feel. That means Maury debuted. I'm 34. He debuted when I was three. All right. 31 years on air. Wow. But his show has had different iterations. Yeah, but he's mo- most notable. Isn't you are not now? the father. He's a judge, too. I feel like he does different shows. That's Jerry Springer and Steve Harvey. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> aren't they all the same brand? But that's the T-Report for this hour. <laughs> now, let's talk with Dr. James, our official you know, health co- correspondent. He's joining us to talk about how common anxiety meds are causing a rash of problems for young people. Wow. Let's find out more coming up next. Now, taken correctly, prescription drugs used to treat ADHD can help teens and young adults navigate their condition. But a new study finds many are actually dying from overdosing on these medications. What is going on? Um, Because it seems like this is causing a rash of problems for young people. Joining us is Dr. James Simmons at Ask the MP. I mean, the one and only. Welcome to the show. We love having you. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here, Ryan. Yeah. So is this shocking news to find out? Because for me, it, it seems like, how is this happening? This, unfortunately, you know, part of what's happening is we're getting so much data 
that we didn't have during COVID. So a lot of times with these big public health studies that we look at and we talk about the death rates from X, Y, and Z went up in the last year. That data takes a while to come in. And so what's happening is we're finally getting all of the information from 2019, some from 2020 and a teeny little bit from 2021. And what we're seeing, unfortunately, with deaths from drug overdose is that, you know, in this situation, we're particularly talking about benzodiazepines, so things like Xanax and Ativan, and stimulants like Adderall that people might take for ADHD. Those two are mirroring what's going on with almost every other illicit drug situation, and that's that we are seeing dramatic increases in people overdosing and those overdoses resulting in death from essentially almost every drug and across almost every age group that we study. It is a frightening and very, very, very scary trend that we are seeing. And, you know, we can't prove this, but, you know, there are so many associations between this uptick in deaths by overdose and directly related to what we all went through in the pandemic. Yeah, some of these I'm seeing in the report are prescribed to a person, but sometimes people buy these off the streets for like party drugs. Um, Is there a way that they've maybe been keeping up with this? Because I'm seeing that the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration uh, actually reported that two out of every five counterfeit pills that have been seized contain a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. This fentanyl situation is is really out of it's completely out of control. It's really hard to characterize how bad this is right now. Shar, you just said two out of every five of these pills. That is an insane percentage are laced with fentanyl. And the bigger issue here is, you know, fentanyl is like the absolute most addictive, highest level of of opiate that we might prescribe somewhat. Well, we don't prescribe it as an outpatient basis, but that we might use in the hospital situation when someone has pain, right? Well, fentanyl is incredibly addictive. It is a hundred times stronger and more addictive than just morphine, which we know morphine in and of itself is highly addictive and very strong, right? So you just need little tiny doses of fentanyl to get hooked and little tiny doses of fentanyl to unfortunately overdose, especially if you are someone who is what we call opiate naive. So you've never really had opiates. So you might just think, cool, I got this Adderall. Or I got this little Xanax from my friend because I'm feeling a little crazy, but the club is hopping tonight and I just want to like chill. So I'm going to have my little drink and I'm going to have a little Xanax and that little Xanax might have a little fentanyl in it. You didn't know, neither did your friend who gave it to you, and you end up overdosing. It's, it is a very, very real fact that is going on right now. Well, Dr. James is here with us, and of course, we're having, I mean, just a, such an important conversation. And for me, I immediately go to the reports that we've seen over the past few weeks when like shows like Euphoria and then like the program Dare comes out and speaks out against these type of shows in, in the media and in entertainment, where you're seeing a high level of drug usage, you're seeing the Xanaxes, you're seeing the the all of the anxiety medicines being used in a way that is more so in the party or just when someone is dealing with addiction. I wonder how much do you think that really does play into, you know, studies like this where we're seeing an, an uptick in all of these moments? I mean, whether people like it or not, the data is not lying, right? That you people can alter data in ways that make it, you know, 
prove their case, if you will. But if you just really look at the object, objective data, the data don't lie. Mm-hmm. More people are dying from overdose across all drugs and inclu- including people the age of like the characters in the show Euphoria. So whether people from D.A.R.E. or all these different organizations like it or not, use of these medications is going up yeah. and it is causing adverse you know, issues and sometimes deaths in people who are of high school age. I know, you know, I watch Euphoria. It's wild, man. We don't like to be, you know, I certainly wasn't like, you know, getting a cracking like that when I was 17, but this is the reality and the data backs it up. And so you can talk all you want about how you maybe don't like the show Euphoria, but what yeah. I think you do is have a conversation about where well, I'm watching Euphoria with my 18 year old Let's use that as a launching pad to have a conversation about, like, look, I don't want you doing these drugs. Do you have questions? That kind of thing. Oh, Dr. James, you said it right there. Well, we're going to keep you on because across the country, sewage surveillance has become a crucial public health tool for community-level tracking of COVID surges and variants. I mean, this is wild. And, I mean, honestly, it feels like breaking news. So we're going to talk more with Dr. James with, you know, more poop conversations coming up. (laughs) Oh, honey, uh, health officials see a bright and beautiful future in poop surveillance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, why not have this conversation with the one and only Dr. James Simmons at Ask the MP? Let's talk about this because who knew, one, that there was a a sewage surveillance, and then, two, that it's become a crucial public health tool for actually a community-level tracking of COVID surges and variants. When has COVID showed up in your poop? (laughs) <laughs> from day one, Ryan, day one, that COVID has been sneaking around in your poop from day oh, one. wow, a little and sneaky little thing. You, it, I know, sneaky little thing, isn't it? And we've, so listen, we've been actually surveilling poop on a, can I say poop, Justin, by the way, is that fine? Yeah, we've been good. surveilling <laughs> poop better than the for alternative. A, re- a really long time from a public health standpoint looking at and trying to track certain diseases because what happens is you know one comes out in the poop it goes into a big you know wastewater treatment facility we can take small samples of that and we can say oh there is a large there's an increase in x y and z virus or x y and z you know salmonella like things like that as a cluster on a public health level so what we did early on in the pandemic was well you know shoot we didn't have great home testing we didn't have really great testing at all so the poop surveyors really kicked into action and they were like, well, hold on, we can test the wastewater treatment of different communities and see what the level of COVID is. And lo and behold, this is how we figured out that there were big outbreaks in places like the University of Michigan. That was one of the biggest ones that made headlines. Even before students were starting to, there were starting to be lots of symptomatic students, they were testing the wastewater in the, on campus and they saw, wow, there is a massive COVID outbreak. And sure enough, about a week later, a massive amount of students got really, really sick. So it's actually the predictive power of poop that's pretty, I was trying to come up with another P word, but it was pretty awesome <laughs> with this. The CDC wants to expand this all across the nation for COVID, lots of other viruses. But unfortunately, there's a bunch of states that are not on board with poop. Yeah. 
It's yeah, smelly. we we probably put a, should have put a disclaimer at the top of this conversation. I apologize. This is Char. If you For happen what? to be eating dinner it's right now, it's a part of our our no, lives. No, no. If someone's eating right now, they ain't trying to hear this. And honey, if they're gay, <laughs> if they're gay listening, if they're queer listening to this station, and you got to do stuff in the in the anal situation, you already know. I'm just saying that's true. Oh, it's true. It's science. But I'm saying if it's some, literally scientific. I'm I'm, li- I'm not talking about preparation for things. I'm talking about if someone. But Maybe eating chocolate ice cream right now. Well, nevertheless, now that's gross. No, I'm, I'm talking about see, science. Char, you took us there. Exactly, Shark took us there. Because there needs I'm to be I'm talking a about science with the doctor. If I was at home eating right now, I would turn this off. Well, that's. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Grow up. So, how did they discover? How how was this discovered through like monitoring? I know that you can check and see the flu and things like that. If we didn't know what COVID necessarily looked like. How were scientists able to pin down that this is what it looks like and this is how it shows up in waste? So the CDC has this thing called the National Wastewater Surveillance System. It's very fancy talk, right? And remember way back, like February of 2020, right? When we were, we had our first documented case of that gentleman who uh, came from China, lived in Washington state, right? He was the first documented case here in the States. We have since learned, obviously, that COVID was here before that, but he was the first documented case that we knew of at the time. That guy was great. He provided all of the samples of everything that everyone wanted, so much blood, all these other things, so we could start to develop tests along with in cooperation with other countries and China and other places to develop tests to look for the viral components, the DNA components of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, right? So we got the testing stuff done pretty quickly at a really high government level. Well, before they could turn that into like at-home tests and make them really cheap and make millions and billions of them, they were able to do it in certain laboratories. And Mm -hmm. the National Wastewater Surveillance System said, we wanted some of those tests. We're going to go start testing poop in communities because if we can't test the people at home or in certain sites yet, we at least want to test the poop and see how prevalent COVID is. So we were actually doing this before it made any massive headlines. And it did give some public health officials a pretty good idea of what sorts of outbreaks of COVID were coming to their communities at the time. Wow. wow. Well, thank you so much for breaking all this down. I, okay. th- I find it to be very interesting. You know, even though Dr. Oz has an awful political career, he's a Republican, I liked watching his doctor type stuff. Like, I like watching mm-hmm. doctor things to find out like about Like how you this. learn the health. Like, if it sinks to the bottom, yeah. you're healthy. If it floats, it has a lot of fat in it. Like, that's incredible. And you're eating, you need to sh- shift your eating and get some fiber in there. I really probably should have pursued that from Mehmet Mehmet Oz. Oz. something wrong with your gallbladder. You know. I learned a lot from Mehmet Oz as well. Yeah. But to hell with him now. Yeah, I I don't care about it now. But Dr. James, thank you so much for joining us. If y'all want to follow all of the amazing content that Dr. James puts out there at the Ask the MP, didn't you just announce something with the, like, something's related around HIV awareness? Uh, yeah, I actually, so I'm already an ambassador with the CDC's Let's Stop HIV Together program. I am also now a partnering with NMAC, which is an organization that leads with race in the discussion about HIV and preventing HIV, because as we know, black and brown folks are still wildly disproportionately impacted by HIV. So we are all partnering together in this fight to end the epidemic by 2030. You know what? When we when I say we have the best experts, Dr. James is who comes to mind. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, y'all. All right. Coming up next, one employee was fired because he never left work and how they made this workers issue worse. 
Now, employers, y'all better watch out because this one TikToker may have just found the cheat code. Um, a Chibuzer Ejimorphor. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. That's how you say it. But say, his professional say it again, name. Three times fast. <laughs> his professional name is what he goes by. His name, okay. his name is Simon Jackson. He's a TikToker who is literally living and breathing his work. Because guess what? He made a now viral video of himself living in his work cubicle, claiming it was a form of protest, since guess what? He wasn't paid enough. Wow. So he couldn't afford rent. So he said, All right, well, guess what? I'm just gonna move into the building. And he's like set up shop. I mean, he takes baths. His clothes are everywhere. The the video has earned over 12 million views. Why would he do this? And he revealed in a follow-up video that he was allegedly fired from his job at the design and engineering consultancy firm, Articus. In his initial viral video, hilariously titled, Check Out My New Apartment, the 28-year-old filmed himself setting up his desks with his clothes, toiletries, and other personal belongings. He was like, I'm moving from my apartment into my cubicle at work. They do not pay me enough to do both. So as a matter of protest, I'm going to live at my job and we'll see how long I can get away with I'm sorry. First of all, I feel like, I feel compelled to clarify that when when I asked you to repeat his name, I was laughing at your uh, enunciation of it. I was not actually (laughs) laughing at this person's name. So save your your tweets or what have you. I need you to drag her Uh, because she was trying to drag me. Yeah, well, it was how you said it. (laughs) Sound like, I don't know, some Harry Potter. I was just trying. Um, But what I will say about this is he had to have known that he was going to be terminated. I he mean, had to have known. I, honestly, I have never thought about like this is wild. The fact I wonder that he what did his backup this. plan was because before like and also when you do things like this, like Ryan, if you were to come to me uh, with this idea, we would have to have a conversation. So I, when things like this happen, I question who people are surrounding themselves with. Well, no, listen. He said that he claimed that he has been in communication with his former employer and colleagues. He said that he is not quote unique or alone in my sentiment of being underpaid since he claims several. Several other former employees, not direct co-workers, but people who worked in different branches of the company, also felt like they were under, underemployed. He said, my recommendation is to empower managers to give out raises based on performance rather than treating everyone the same. Well, guess what? Join, what do you think about that? Join the party. We're all underpaid. It is life, honestly. It's we're like, all underpaid. It's capitalism at its best. Inflation and we're all underpaid. But you asked what I thought about. Well, because it's just so intense to like do this I mean like is this really a form of protest like bringing your like whole no. entire life into the space and it's I'd like, be so uncomfortable imagine the smells I'd be so uncomfortable there's no way I could bring my personal belongings and live in this studio no thank yeah. you I need my bed I need my solitude I need to be able to twist the key to my own door thank you very much and it's unfortunate because it's like Yes, employer. We need to have a serious conversation about employers paying their employees a livable wage, so yeah. we don't have situations like this. But then also, like, honey, but you need to go to therapy if you if you thinking about this was a good idea. He should have bounced and, this off for somebody. And like, also, is really, this a good idea of protest? And also, really quickly, uh, it's it's a privilege that he's even still in conversation with his former employer because we've seen this happen. They could have fired him and there are tons of people in line right now down to the unemployment office, honey, that would have taken that job. And not only that, and just dealt with it. They could have had him arrested. It could have been like an yeah, awful I mean, situation. That, isn't that trespassing? Like it, it's, a, it's a weird situation, but... I wonder what the custodian thought. <laughs> Now, we are back, of course, with another hour of Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Uh, Shira is out. Um, I am back from being sick. In charge, Asil has been here filling in doing the most amazing work that she's ever done. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Now, what song is this? 
You can't stop the bee from hairspray. Now Isn't what that are you right, trying to <laughs> Wait, what did Justin say? Harvey Firestein. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't take nobody seriously here. Wow. I'm, I'm making fun of my voice. That's <laughs> even though that's great. You sounded great. That's <laughs> Oh my god. I didn't realize how much to me Ryan sounds like Nell Carter from Give Me a Break and the little boy from Single All the Way on Can Netflix. We please? The youngest son. I Can get we that. please? The youngest son who's like Uncle Da 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 da. I need us to all go away. <laughs> <laughs> including my voice. Anyway, we have tons coming up this hour. I hate you both. <laughs> that, is <so> funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Amber Phillips is joining us from the Washington Post to break down everything we need to know about Katanji Brown Jackson's final day of her confirmation hearing. And um, of course, what are some of the biggest regrets that come up for people at the end of their lives? And of course, in our Yes Queen, the gay dogs that found a new home and why we're all melting inside. More coming up this hour. Stick around. But first, let's get into top of the hour news. Are we ready? Yep. So Madeleine Albright, the first woman U.S. Secretary of State who helped steer Western foreign policy in the aftermath of the Cold War, has died. She was 84. Her death was confirmed in an email to staff of the uh, Albright Stonebridge Group, um, a global strategy from a firm uh, founded by Albright. Albright was a central figure in presidential, uh, well, President Bill Clinton's administration, first serving as U.S. ambassador to the United Nations before becoming the nation's top diplomat in his second term. She championed the expansion of NATO, a push for the alliance to intervene in the, the Balkans, um, to stop genocide and ethnic cleansing, sought to reduce the spread of nuclear weapons, and championed human rights and democracy across the globe. And I mean, of course, she was the first woman U.S. Secretary, Secretary of State. I mean, absolutely iconic. So mm-hmm. we just want to make sure you know her name for sure. Now, um, next, Senator Mike Braun said Tuesday that he would be open to the Supreme Court overturning its 1967 ruling that legalized interracial marriage nationwide to allow states to independently decide the issue. Uh, Braun, who made the comment during a conference call in which he was discussing the nomination of Katanji Brown at Jackson to the Supreme Court, who was also in an interracial um, marriage, also said that he'd welcomed the rescinding of several key decisions made by the court in the past seven years to pass the power to the states. Here's the moment. When it comes to issues, you can't have it both ways. Uh, When you uh, want that diversity to shine within our federal system, uh, there are going to be rules and uh, proceedings. They're going to be out of sync with maybe what other states would do. It's the beauty of the system. And uh, that's where uh, the differences among points of view in our 50 states ought to express themselves. Now, in a statement to the Washington Post after the conference call, Braun said that he, quote, misunderstood the reporter's question on loving and stressed that he opposes racism. He said, I misunderstood a line of questioning that ended up being about interracial marriage. Let me be clear on that issue. There is no question that the Constitution prohibits discrimination of any kind. That is your top of the hour news. Let's get into some tea report. I got to say, I don't believe him. I think he's full of it. To report this hour, Paul Abdul is coming to White Party Palm Springs 2022. Now, White Party is a, well, White Party Global announced today that the Grammy Award winner will headline Sunday's tea dance on Sunday, May 1st. And the White Party Palm Springs runs April 29th through May 1st. Now, this party has seen iconic performances from some of the biggest names in the music industry, including Lady Gaga, J-Lo, Deborah Cox, Leanne Rimes, and more. 
Executive producer Chris Diamond said in a statement that Paula Abdul is legendary, which she is, making her the perfect choice for an already legendary party, and that he's excited to see what Paula will bring to this year's uh, event. I don't know. Ryan, are you going to go? Um, well, um, you know, I tend to stay away from white parties. You do? Why? Well, um, you, I'm going to let that just hang there for a minute. <laughs> well, if you are interested in going, uh, visit whitepartyglobal.com and you can learn more about who will be headlining and exactly what will be going on in Palm Springs. Um, and that's the T-Report for this hour. All right. Well, coming up next, let's talk about life after death and life leading up to death, right? What are some of the biggest regrets people have at the end of their lives? Find out because, honey, we about to get into a, a really honest conversation about some of our biggest regrets. Coming up next. All right. It's time for my favorite part of the show. It's the what? Yeah. Yes, Queen. It's all about the moments that just make us feel good. And we actually have an update to a story from yesterday that I, um, while I was out, I heard Shar talking about when I was listening to the show about Fezco or Oscar the dog. Oh, one of the most ridiculous stories that I've ever, <laughs> ever, ever read on this on this radio station. Well, you know, if you missed it, the so-called gay dog that was given up by its owner over perceived homosexual behavior now has a new home. And that pad is a very queer. Let me tell you that. And it's very friend, like it's queer friendly. Okay. Um, and he also has a new name. So uh, North Carolina's uh, Steve Nichols tells TMZ he and his longtime partner, John, adopted Fezco Tuesday after hearing the story about him getting abandoned by his former human parents, all because they caught him humping another male pooch. Ridiculous. Now, uh, Nichols says that they felt an immediate connection to Fezco as he explains both he and John have faced a, a discrimination in their own lives. So they applied uh, and were actually uh, chosen. What? Oh, oh, we have a clip. Oh, my God. Let's talk. Let's listen to him. It's such a silly reason to turn in a dog. We just thought it would make sense for the gay dog to be adopted by a loving gay family. We've been um, subject to that kind of uh, bigotry and ignorance throughout our lives together, and we couldn't always do anything about it. And we looked at each other and said, we can do something about this. And they even changed his name so his name doesn't sound like a gas station. He's rebranded. <laughs> his name is Oscar Wilde now, who... Um, is named after the writer, the who playwright. is also gay. Yes. Yeah. So, wow, this dog is gay as hell, and I'm living for it. They need to uh, <laughs> brush his tongue, though. I'm looking at it. He got a little dark tongue. All right, well, that is your tea report. I mean, not your tea report. Yes, queen, right? Yes, queen. <laughs> hell, it's the, it's the end of the show, and that's, it that's it for the show, y'all. I have made it through. My voice now has gone several octaves down. Thank you so much for being here. Shar, thank you for filling in yesterday. Always, Thank yeah. you for being here today. Yeah. We really, really appreciate it. We have a wonderful show tomorrow. Stick around for that. Love Line is coming up next, and we're talking participating in exercise culture. And guess what? Lance Bass is joining us right tomorrow. Oh my God. I am very, very excited about that. I don't oh, know yes. how many ways you think I'm going to be able to tell Lance Bass how fine he is. <laughs> let's, uh, let's make it a drinking game. All of that more is coming up. Don't go anywhere. Remember to slay and have a wonderful day. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 